We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Farrell on the bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out a bad seat, a broken eight, a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad lot, bad dude, bad rep, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Magic City Studios in the Farrell Appalachia, right across the river and through the woods from where Granny's going to bed. But before she did, she said, the Islanders won big, so you made a lot of money that you're going to give me to go to Atlantic City and play high-end slots this weekend. And to celebrate, I'm going to snap two big beefy bowls of AK-47 in New York City. The Big Apple. People dressed in plastic bags, directed tries, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do be all my friends that come around, lots of lots of party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, with the best tides of tatter, but be splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake it Ooh, hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell with Carver High tonight. Toll free, the number 844-843-6879 is the number to get on the bench. So, there's a lot going on. The Islanders... Killed the Bruins tonight. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't even fathom how, frankly, stupid those odds were. I mean, honestly, thanks for the plus 120. Thanks for the goal and a half. Thanks so much. The sports folks are just giving away money tonight. You know, they must have been in the mood after their numbers came in for you know, April and May, they just decided, you know what we'll do tonight? We'll just give everyone that likes hockey a ton of money because that's what they gave me tonight, a ton of money. Thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, paying for that new water heater I had to put in today. <laughs> I mean, to tell you, was that the dumbest odds you've ever seen in your life for a hockey game when you've got, I, I mean, I, it's inexplicable. I don't think I've ever seen a mistake that bad. Uh, I mean, the bottom line is, is that they literally gave me money. I mean, the uh, Bruins were favored to win game six in Long Island at the barn when the team that they're playing has been kicking their ass up and down the ice. I mean, it's beyond me. I, I mean, it really is. Uh, I thought it was the easiest bet I ever made in my life. I really do. I'm not even kidding. I, I literally, I was on coast to coast today and I said, boom, run to the window, whatever you do, take the Islanders and the puck line. I mean, this is easy money. And then a Carver High heard me do it. And this is the second time in a row that I'm right. I, I hate to say it. I mean, I, Carver High's the Islander fan. I hate him. But uh, I'm not stupid either. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Carver High, did I take the Islanders over the Penguins in the series? And did I take the Islanders over the Bruins in the series? Yes. You took the Islanders over the Penguins. You took the Islanders over the Bruins. And they just kept handing out the money tonight. Okay. So uh, did I not go on record with you that I'm going to take him over the Lightning as well? Yes. You said that you are taking him to beat the Lightning. little revenge after the Lightning beat them last year in the East Finals. Right. So, 
Uh, let me get into this a little more. I, I want to elaborate on what I'm talking about here. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome our radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Mightier 1090 in San Diego, and Tijuana, do you want to? Sports Map, Sports Byline, Armed Forces Radio, Hoorah, Soldier, Hoorah, it's Pharrell on the bench with Carver High on a midweek or Wednesday night. Where do you hurt? The number's toll-free, 844-843-6879. All right, here's what I wanted to say, and I don't have a whole lot of time, so I, this may uh, be spread out like peanut butter. First of all, I want to say that that performance in the third period by the Bruins may have been the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, honestly, they scored a goal. <laughs> Marshawn had both goals tonight, of course, because he's the only guy on the whole team that can play hockey. I mean, uh, I, I'll give you, I'll take that back. Pasternak, I like. Bergeron has got skill, but he evaporated a long time ago. I mean, in, in the playoffs. Like, what, honestly, when was the last time Bergeron did anything? In, in the last round, uh, Carver High? Last round, right? Last round. Because he didn't do anything in this round. Did he have one point in this round? Uh, he had a couple points, but yeah, the only I, guys who the only guys who scored goals for the Bruins were Marshawn and Pasternak. Nobody else scored, and that's why the Islanders won. The second, third, and fourth lines, nobody scored. Right. Well, uh, well, I know that. So that that's my point. So one guy, one guy, even Pasternak did nothing. One guy played well, and that was the the rat. I mean, honestly, your boy Marshawn is such a rat. And, and a rat B, too, at that, I might add. But he's he's a great hockey player. And for a little guy, he got strong-ass arms. I'll tell you that much. That guy can hold on to a puck, and he can score on anybody, anywhere, anytime, any day. He's the best player on the team, hands down. He had both goals tonight. He was the only guy who showed up to play hockey. The other guys uh, did nothing. And I want to say, from the point when he scored the goal to make it 4-2, They had one shot the rest of the game. One shot the rest of the game. How embarrassing is that? And and that wussy-ass, big-mouth coach of theirs needs to go golfing somewhere far away, Cabo or something. All right, Pharrell on the bench. So, uh, anyway, uh, they had one shot, the the Bruins, after Marshawn's goal that made it 4-2. And then, of course, they got a couple empty netters, and it was 6-2, and that was the end of it. But uh, the reality of it is is that uh, I'm sitting there watching the game or whatever, and I'm I'm going like the, the things that came out of my mouth were pretty much like, quote, they can't even get it out of their own end, end quote. Uh, or how about this one? Uh, you're just trying to make too many passes, like, end quote. Like, when they got it into the zone finally, which took, like, the whole period, right? When they finally got it in the Islanders' end, then they'd try to get all fancy, <laughs> like, making passes across ice and through traffic and, like, the 
the Islanders have like a complete box going uh, defensively. They got everybody back. You couldn't get through that maze of sticks and bodies if you tried. But meanwhile, these idiots are trying to pass the puck along the ice through it, like trying to actually send passes through the middle of the slot across ice to some other guy on the other side. It made no sense to me. And you know I'm right, Carver High. They had one good chance the entire period. It was Riley skating in on the left circle all by himself. He got in deep about 25 feet out, and he shot a slap shot. He only missed by about 40 feet wide and high. But that was the best chance they had the whole third period. And, I mean, that was the only time I saw a Bruin player get into the zone and not get hit or knocked off the puck or stopped. I mean, they had one guy, Riley, come in with a great chance, and he shot it so far high and wide, it could have chipped some lady's tooth in the upper deck. I mean, all I know is... They did not have any opportunities whatsoever, not one ever in that period, to score an effing goal, and that's all there is to it. So shame on them and that crappy coach of theirs with his big mouth and their big plans tonight because they, A, started a goalie that wasn't ready to play, and B, I mean, you're down 4-1 after two in New York. It's game over. No, that was it. And the way that they shut it down, they got that early power play goal. You mentioned it. One shot on goal for the rest of the game. And the Islanders did a great job. I mean, they were playing a little keep away. They'd get in the offensive end. They played it. I heard Pierre at one point, who did an awful job in this series, by the way, talk about four corners and the Islanders are throwing it around like Dean Smith. And listen, they play. That's what the Islanders do. The Islanders want to get a lead on you, two plus goals in a third, and then they choke you out. And that's what, the, that's what happened in the third period after the power play goal by Marshawn. All right, so um, would you disagree with me that the Riley shot was the only good shot of the whole period? Only, yeah, that was, that was I know which one you're talking about. That was the only, only decent chance that they had. The only one. That, yeah, it was not a good shot. It was a good chance. Like, yeah. he skated in all alone from 30 feet out, and no one touched him, and he had a, a chance to score. And he had, like, the worst shot I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was so bad. Like, I don't understand how a guy that gets paid millions of dollars is 25 feet from the net, and he can't shoot the puck on the goalie's pads or anything. Like, I mean, I I really don't understand it. How do you shoot? (laughs) He shot the puck so high and wide that, honestly, someone could have lost an eye in the crowd. That's how bad it was. If they didn't have a net up, somebody would be in an ambulance right now. That's how bad that shot was. And you're you know, paying the guy millions. He can't even shoot the effing puck on net. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, next time maybe just shoot a wrister at the goalie and maybe get lucky and get a, a rebound or, or maybe it seeps through. Like, remember last night when Saad threw the, the, the wrister at the net at, with one second left in the period? It went in because Fleury never saw it coming. He just wasn't ready for a last-second miracle wrister. I couldn't believe Riley's shot. It was so embarrassing. Uh, and I'm not wrong either. And I'm also not wrong that only one guy showed up to play. I thought your guy, um, another bad shot in that period, I think it was McAvoy, came in right in the high slot, right dead to right, straight out, right? Nobody in front of him. And he shot it 15 feet wide. You remember that one? Yes. Wide of the net. I mean, Jesus. I should be the coach of the Bruins. At least I can see everything they're doing wrong. Unlike that hack coach of theirs, you're (laughs) well, you're down four two, and he waits till a minute and a half left in the game to pull the goalie. 
<laughs> I mean, Christ, I would have pulled him at 4-1. <laughs> I mean, I would have let him beat us at 9-1. I mean, you're down three goals to the best team in the playoffs. Like, in my opinion, I- I'm telling you. Like, I think the I- – I don't deny Tampa and Colorado and Vegas – are on a maybe one step up from them. I won't deny that. But I also believe everything I said about them, that they're the best playoff team uh, with the best coach, the best defense, the, the right now the best power play. They have everything. What, what don't they have? I mean, they literally, their crowd's completely inebriated and loud as, as F. There's nothing they don't have on that team. Like, I think the Islanders... Uh, are as good as anybody, if not better, right now, the way they're playing. So, you know, I'm seeing Colorado blow a 2 nothing lead on the on their home ice and lose in overtime. I'm seeing, uh, you know, I would say, you know, Tampa handled their business without any provocation. They handled their business uh, like champions. I'll give you that. I do think... Uh, they know they're more talented, probably, and deeper and better. They got the cup. They got their names on the Stanley Cup. The only thing standing in front of the Islanders is them. Again, the same team that uh, they lost to in six last year. But I think, uh, in my opinion, like, I thought Carolina gave Tampa all they could handle. I thought Florida gave Tampa all they could handle. They had two brutal series that Cooper admitted were brutal. I thought the Islanders dominated the Penguins, and I thought the Islanders dominated the Bruins. I mean, I'm talking about Vegas was down two. Colorado just blew a a lead, a two-goal lead in in the third period on home ice. So do you understand my point of it? Do you understand, Mike, where I'm coming from? Every team that's left, in my opinion, they're not playing as well as the Islanders. The Islanders are playing better hockey than anybody. They don't have any of these blown two-goal leads. They don't have any of these lose the first two game of a series. They don't have any lose game five on the road. They get it done in both series. They don't lose game six at home to close out. They blow you out. They don't lose. They blow you out. So yep. do you see where I'm coming from? That they're, I think they're the best team in the, in the field left. I think uh, of the four teams, they're playing the best hockey all around, all purpose, all around. Not only, I don't even have to ask you because I know I'm right, and I'm not even trying to be right. I just know as, as, as a great lifelong 55-year hockey fan, I know what I'm seeing. And the other teams have all had issues. They've all had issues. Colorado's got issues right now. They got big issues. They got to play in, in Vegas tomorrow night. Would you disagree with anything I just said about the Islanders being the best team? No, I would not. You can absolutely make a case that they are playing the best hockey right now. And and look, they, they have now gotten back to where they were last year. This team's built to do well in the playoffs. They are in the same exact spot against the team that beat them a year ago. They're the defending cup champs. They've played a lot of hockey now for the last year. They just played two very tough series, as their own coach just said. You're the Islanders, and I'm with you. They're the best team right now. The way they're playing, you got to go take care of it. Because you don't get many bites at the apple. We talk about this all the time. And you have a chance right now. You have gotten back to where you were a year ago. This time you have to finish the job. I think if they go to Tampa with, uh, obviously Tampa's going to have the home ice, correct? Yes, Tampa will have home ice. Okay, so I think if they go to Tampa and win game one, 
uh, on the road and and beat them in their building at, at Amelie. I think they'll uh, they'll beat them. They beat everybody else in game one. They they go wherever Pittsburgh, Boston. They win. That's all there is to it. They do it again. They're winning. And then they'll be in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since, I think, whatever, 83, whatever it was. It's for all events. We got a lot tonight, including Ricky Buckets. All right, for all events, last time the Islanders won the Cup was 83. 84, they lost to the Oilers. Uh, they dominated in 80, 81, 82, 83, and then lost in 84, five straight trips. That's amazing. And uh, it's a really special thing for their uh, fans and uh, the franchise that they're in this position in the last year of their uh, old Coliseum, the barn, if you will. And um, let's face facts. Uh it really is unbelievable when you think about it, uh, what Lou Lamarillo and Trotz have done. And Trotz a great coach. And I can't sit here and say anything except Lou Lamarillo may be the greatest hockey executive that ever lived. I mean, honestly, like, I remember you actually saying when he got Zajac and Palmieri, they were bums. And now both of them have basically won you a series. Your guy came out tonight. The bum had a goal. He hasn't played a game in a month. And then the other guy who you said was a bum, he, he went out and scored every other day. That, I mean, you did not, say that, it, that, so just well, don't let even Let me tell you, you what I said. Well, here's what I did say. I said they were bums up until the playoffs started. And then I said they have an opportunity to make the trade actually be good if they play well in the playoffs. Because who gives a rat's ass what they did in the regular season? So they were bums in the regular season. They did nothing for those 15, 16 games. But so, those games don't matter. So my point is, my point is, is that your guy, Lou Lamarillo, was the one that went and got those two bums, and now they're taking you to the promised land. Not, not as, like, carrying you, but they're every bit as... Uh, important to this team now as frankly any other guy on the ice and my point is is that Lou Lamarillo did this not Pharrell not Carver Lou Lamarillo is a genius and he went out and got two hacks who I would agree with you they were bums and they've turned into stars in the playoffs for the Islanders and then you know I'm sure they'll get rid of them when it's over and they won't be on that team next year. That would be my guess. But I, I'll say this. Like, what he's designed in Long Island in the short amount of time that he's been there is it's just beyond reproach. You can't even argue with it. Like, what he's done, like, this is the same guy that did all this stuff with the Devils winning those three cups, right? And then now he's doing it uh, on Long Island. And then, you know, the guys I don't even know. He's so old. But uh, they're moving into a new billion-dollar building. And, I mean, you know, they kind of remind me of the Penguins in a sense that, like, right now, like, the Penguins were bankrupt, right? They were going under. They were moving. They were moving to Kansas City. And they were flat broke. And then, uh, you know, Burkle and Lemieux bought the team. And then uh, they started winning Stanley Cups. And now they're one of the most valuable franchises in the league. 
the Islanders were basically, I think, fair to Midland at best, worth like, you know, middle of the pack. I never thought they were worth that much money. But now the way they've played these last couple of years and the way they're moving into that new multi-billion dollar building uh, and they're going to the final four of hockey again, uh, conference finals last year, final four this year, what's the difference? I think their valuation, their worth in the league now is, I would say, you know, frankly, to me, the three most valuable franchises right now in the league have to be the Islanders, uh, Vegas, and Tampa Bay. Would you argue with that? Yeah, no. You know, they'll people will always say in terms of value and franchise value, they'll always want to put those, you know, original six teams uh, right there. But the Islanders are moving into what will be the newest building in the league next year. We see what the, the empire that Vegas has built out there with the desert with T-Mobile. Just an unbelievable scene and the success that they've had in a short amount of time. Cash and then down. what? Yeah, no doubt. And then what Tampa has done and built over years. Now, remember, Tampa's been good for a while. They finally broke through and won last year. They didn't come out of nowhere. That right. was building for a long time what Cooper and those guys did down in Tampa. So you're right. Those three, those three franchises, they're towards the top of the league right now and what's going on. Now, listen, I'm going to say this as well on top of that, Mike, is that I think Tampa is a great team. I think they've put together a hell of a team with great players. I thought the Coleman deal with the Devils last year made such a nice fit to that pizza. The, someone took a slice of the pizza when no one was looking, and they were you know, missing a piece of the, with the sausage, pepperoni, and onion on it, a little green pepper, and someone took a slice out of the pizza, and then they put Coleman in there, and he's become like such a huge piece on that team, right? I think the team is just absolutely stacked and loaded with talent across the board. And they have it all. They're physical. They're fast. They score. They got it all. They're smart. They got a great goalie, great coach. The whole thing is is lit. But I'll say this, and, and I, I'll stand by it forever. I live there. I've lived everywhere, as you know. <laughs> I live there, and nobody cares about hockey. I don't care what anybody says. It's uh, I'm telling you, there's maybe I'll I'll give you they sell out the arena. Well, of course they sell out the arena when you're in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> of course you sell it out when you're in the Conference Finals. Of course you sell it out when you're in the playoffs every year. Of course, it's not hard to sell. In my opinion, it's not hard to sell seventeen to twenty thousand seats to a you know the Garden in New York for anything or in Tampa when it's the playoffs. Uh, they're, they're not going to have trouble selling tickets to Raymond James Stadium when Tom Brady's playing and you're in the Super Bowl and now you couldn't get a seat at that stadium if you tried. So I think it's easy to sell out the Amelie. Fair enough. But I'm telling you, there's not one fan outside of that arena. I'm telling you, the people there, a bunch of blue-haired old people and transplanters and a bunch of people that lay at the beach all day scratching their ass and, and throwing a fishing rod in the ocean. And believe me, you, that's exactly what they do. And then when they're not doing that, they're drinking. Some of them drink wine at sunset. Some of them drink beer all day. But a lot of them have beer bellies, okay? And they don't care about hockey. Uh, I live there. All they care about is sunshine, beer belly, food, and getting laid.
That's it. They don't care about anything else. And you can tell that to anybody you want in Florida, because I lived in both Miami and Tampa, and I spent a lot of time in both, and nobody cares about hockey there. And I also, I'll throw this at you, they don't care about it in L.A. either. I'm telling you, they don't care. And look, the Angels, right, they play in Anaheim. I used to go there. I could walk up and spit. I could, I could literally spit and get front row seats. Any day of the week, you can get anything you want there. You walk right in the door, sit wherever you want. And you can't do that at Dodger Stadium. They care about the Dodgers. They care about the Lakers. I don't think anyone cares about the Clippers, the Kings, the Ducks, or the Angels at all. And if I'm wrong, take a look at their games. Take a look at their games when there's empty seats galore at every game. Ducks, empty seats galore. Angels, empty seats. Are you kidding me? You have enough, you, you could you, you could sleep in your own row at their games. You could have your feet up on the row in front of you. It's the only stadium I know where you can put your feet up in the row in front of you and they don't say nothing. You do that at Yankee Stadium, they'll throw you out, right? And you do it in Anaheim, they'll bring you a pillow. <laughs> they don't care. Same thing in Tampa. No one, the arena's full, but there's nobody outside rooting or caring. I'm telling you. And then you look at Long Island, these people like that hockey team more than their own wife and children. I always joke with you on the air that I love the Penguins more than my own family. Trust me, you people are the same as me. You're so obsessed with your hockey team, you don't even care about your wife and kids. That's it. In Long Island, people kill for those seats. People, they'll, they'll drive over your neck. They'll kidnap children. They'll hold hostages. I mean, those seats are glorified, God-given, like, oh, my God. I saw a guy today at the gym. He told me he was going to the Allen game. Like, I give a rat's ass. Like, these people all tell me about their fandom. And, you know, I'm not an Islander fan, so what do I care if some guy goes to the Islander game? But this guy's like, I'm going to the Islander game. I wouldn't drive to an Islander game. I've done it before. I, I have done it before to see the Penguins. I didn't go to see the Islanders. So I'm telling you, people out in Long Island, they care about the hockey team. They'll love them till they're dead. You'll be in the ground. You'll, you'll probably have an Islander flag on your casket. But in Tampa, Carver High, nobody gives a rat's ass. I'm telling you. There's no one. They don't even, like, they. It, here's proof uh, in the pudding. They can't even build a baseball stadium there. They won't even do it. They're just like, we're not building Jack. <laughs> we're not building a stadium. You're going to play in this crappy one we got or get out. We don't care what you do. No one's building anything in Tampa. You know why? Because Tampa, St. Petersburg is not, frankly, in my opinion, I mean, it's fair weather. It's Poserville. They don't care about anything down there. The only reason that the, that the Lightning and the Bucks are packed is because they're winners. That's it because, you know, Champa Bay, all the rest, you hear Ozzy the Sports Junkie comes on the show. It's because they're winning. When they lost... When, when, they, when they first opened up at the Cow Pal or at the uh, State Fairgrounds in Tampa, Cow Palace is in San Francisco. The State Fairgrounds is where they opened up and played their first seasons in, in Tampa. Nobody went. Nobody went ever. When the Buccaneers sucked for 25 years, nobody went. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. They're like anything else. If you win, they pack it. The stadiums are packed when you win. When you win championships, it's easy to sell tickets. You can't sell tickets when you suck.
Look who it is. Ricky Buckets, our favorite. Uh, Rick Kamla from NBA Radio on Sirius XM to chill with us for a little bit and talk rack. Uh, how you doing there, Ricky Buckets? You're the man, brother. Scott, no, you the man. Uh, happy to be on with you. Always good to uh, touch base with Carver High as well. Talk a little basketball. Uh, there was so much breaking news and so much basketball to talk about today, Scott. I've got a three-hour show on NBA Radio. We literally could not get to it all, from the Bjorkman stuff to the Kemba Walker stuff to the games going on to LeBron Chase in his jersey. This is an insane time to be a basketball fan, man. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, what do you think of this game tonight? The only uh, offering is Denver at Phoenix. And again, Suns by 10 at the break. And all I know is, uh, I got to be honest with you, Ricky Buckets, I thought uh, that, frankly, that Joker, after winning that MVP yesterday and the Nuggets after game one, uh, they were up seven and, uh, you know, in late in the game and then get rubbed out like a 42-14 run. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. I thought tonight they would show up and, and make this a really good game and actually have a shot at stealing this game and getting a home court. Do you think they can do that in the second half? Are you expecting more out of Joker? You know, I, I think the Joker's been fine. Uh, 15, 6, and 4 here at halftime. He's on pace for a 30-point triple-double. Um, I think he's doing his job. Uh, who's not doing their job, and they're the same guys that didn't do their job in game one, are, Mar uh, are Monte Morris and Austin Rivers. Um, they were terrible in game one, uh, really shot Denver out of the game, and they're shooting Denver out of the game tonight. Uh, Morris is 0 for 4. Uh, Rivers is 1 for 3 on threes. Uh, Compazzo is 1 for 7. Michael Porter Jr. is 1 of 8. Uh, overall, 0 of 6 from 3. They can't make a shot, Scott. That's the problem here. And they're getting good looks. Uh, the shots just aren't going down. They're 4 of 22 from downtown in this game. So I think Jokic is, is, uh, is doing his thing. Um, and, you know, there was the report out of Denver that Michael Porter Jr. had a little bit of a back tweak um, and he's had at least one back surgery, and I think it's multiple surgeries. So, obviously, I don't know if it's the same area, if it's connected, if it's related or not. But uh, when any, when, whenever you hear Michael Porter, you know, tweaks the back or he's got a back thing, um, it's not good based on his history. Uh, it's why he fell in the draft. He was maybe going to be the number one overall pick at one point and fell, obviously, I believe it was number 14 overall to, to Denver. Um, he's having a terrible game tonight. And so, if, if Porter or Compazzo or Rivers or Morris, if one of those guys had been able to just be normal so far in this game, we might even have a tie score here at halftime. Uh, that's my read on it so far. Yeah, I think Porter's been atrocious. 0 of 6 from uh, downtown, 1 of 8 overall, just two points. That's killing him. Uh, you know, Rivers has looked so good up till this point. Tonight he's got five. Millsap doing nothing. Green doing nothing. Barton's giving him a little piece, but you're right about Morris. A disaster. He's got donuts. But I, for some reason, you know as well as I do, that Denver's capable of doing well when they get to the mile high. So we got to see how they play at home. And I think, frankly, after game one, I think Joker has to get into that. You talk about well on his way to a 30. I think he's got to be 35-plus. Uh, if they're not going to shoot well, he's got to be 35-plus to get them back into this game. He has to get, a, I think, a big night in the second half. Get it up to 35-40. Go off to get them back in the game. So let's talk about, uh, frankly, tomorrow, speaking of 
you know, second chances after what the Bucks did in Brooklyn, which was absolutely nothing. They have to win that game tomorrow night, or that's Darcy Rhoda. I mean, that is over. That's Fat Lady singing, Irene, <laughs> the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. And uh, in terms of, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith. <laughs> I don't. Um, now, I know, and you know, Scott, uh, we've both been doing this for a long time. And we know how quickly um, things can change in the playoffs, right? 120-2 run can help Milwaukee win this game, and it's 2-1. And now we're talking about, oh, you know, the Nets missed James Harden last night. So we've seen how this goes. It would not surprise me if Milwaukee won game three and or game four. But I'll tell you what, Scott, they're not winning this series. There is no way they're winning this series. Um, the way the Nets are playing right now, the selflessness which, with which they're playing, of the love fest that is the Brooklyn Nets, um, you know, anytime anybody does anything on the court, the bench absolutely erupts and goes crazy. Um, that's a good sign. Uh, the connectivity is there. The play for each other is there. It's all there, man. This team is winning a championship, and I don't even think that it matters if James Harden comes back or not. If he comes back, all it's going to do is make it unfair. Uh, right now, it's basically kind of a fair fight. You've got you, you've got you've got a dynamic duo, obviously, in Durant and Kyrie, and then a bunch of great players around him. Um, if Harden can come back, when he can come back, um, then it becomes unfair. Because you think about the Nets uh, against the Suns. Come on, man. Advantage Nets. The Nets against Denver, if they would meet up, no Murray, come on. Uh, you know, the Clippers, once again last night, they can't even pull the trigger. Six guys have a chance to take a shot in the final ten seconds. Pardon me, not six guys. Four guys had six opportunities to pull the trigger on a shot to tie the game, at, you know, down three under 10 seconds to go. They didn't even get a shot off, Scott. It's the most Clipper thing ever. Um, and so I have no faith in them. Um, Utah, I've got a lot of faith in it. Utah is a badass team, man. And I believe Utah is going to represent the West in the NBA Finals and lose to the Brooklyn Nets. But, uh, but the Nets are going to make uh, – look, the, the whole thing with Milwaukee is, is – Let's go to the free throw line in Giannis Antetokounmpo, Scott. Uh, I know you're a hoop head. I know you're a hooper. So I, I think, and I'm going right. to make this point tomorrow on NBA radio. It is time for Giannis Antetokounmpo to stop the 10-second bit. It's not working. It'd be one thing if, oh, he's up to 70% from the line with the slow, methodical, you know, 10-second approach. It's not working. The fans are going crazy right. with it. Uh, the Nets were showing a 10-second countdown in the arena the other night. So stop it. Get the ball. Put the ball up, right? Don't think. He's overthinking it. Paralysis by analysis. But the fact that Giannis can't make a damn free throw, man, it's very, very much in the way of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, going anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, I'll shoot. I'll shoot a hundred free throws every day when I shoot in the morning. I, I I go through about two miles of threes and and turnarounds and baseline and elbows and climbing the ladder on both sides of the uh, free throw line. You know, each position I do turnarounds and poppers and I'll shoot a hundred free throws a day automatic, and I don't even think anything of it. And and I can you know I can tell you that guy looks like I know this sounds crazy, but he looks like he doesn't. Work on it. I mean, I've never seen a guy uglier from the line than Giannis. <laughs> now, I'm not going to dispute his game. I'm not going to dispute his game. I, his game is, is legit. 
he's no joke. You don't win two MVPs and not be a badass. And the way he gets to the 10 is, is no joke. But he's definitely got an issue at the line, and it is embarrassing. They got to get more out of Middleton. I love Forbes' game. I think it's going to be different in Milwaukee. I will say this. Uh, KD stands out to me as such a freak. I mean, what he did to Giannis, those step-back threes, dagger and one threes in his face, uh, what he's doing defensively, what he's doing shot alteration, what he's doing rebounding, what he's doing to help at that end of the floor, which I never saw him do in a regular season once when he played. I just saw him shooting and playing and, and doing his burn or whatever. But he's playing both ends of the floor. He's like, all right, Harden's not going to play. I got to do more here. I'm going to block some shots. I'm going to get some rebounds. I'm going to rip and run. I'm going to stick threes. I'm going to get to the 10. I'm going to dunk. I'm going to do it all. He is standing out to me as all world, like all world, better than Kyrie, better than everybody. What all of them are doing, Harris, Blake Griffin with monster jams, even Mike James doing pops. I mean, this guy's popping off, going off. Everybody's going off. You're right. There's this buzz, this camaraderie. There's no doubt about it. Let me ask you about um, this Philly Atlanta series that, uh, you know, Ice Trey looks so great in game one or up 20. They finish it off. They get it done. It was crazy, but they got it done. Then they get, they, they had multiple runs to get back in that game last night. Finally ran out of steam and got beat. What happens when they, they play really well in hot town at the state farm, the, at the hub Phillips arena, you know, they play well there. What do you think they're going to do with Philly down <laughs> South? Um, I can't wait to see Scott. Uh, Think about it. The the Hawks have a home court advantage right now. <clears throat> and I haven't been able to say that. Um, and I lived there for 11 years. I can't tell you how many Hawks games I've right. seen. Playoff games, regular season games. I've been to a million um, Hawks games with, with my boys, my family. And uh, uh, so, and, and I can tell you that, that it, it's really a, a fli- it has been a flimsy home court advantage. And, you know, if the Knicks are in town, it's half Knicks and it's half Hawk fans. If the Celtics are in town, it's maybe 60% Hawks fans and 40% Celtics fans. If the Lakers are in town, man, it's a damn Laker party up in there. 60% Laker fans, 40% Hawks fans. Something has changed, Scott. And watching the series against the Knicks, games three and game four, um, you saw mostly Hawks fans. And you did not see very many Knicks fans in the stands at all. And, and that was like, oh, okay, I see you, Atlanta. Like, I don't know, maybe business is booming economically in Atlanta because when I was there, everybody had to sell their damn tickets to the out-of-towners on StubHub, uh, you know, to make their money or whatever. And now they're keeping their tickets and they're going to the games. I don't know what flipped with that, but they have a home court advantage now. I mean, you know, Scott, it used to be, I, I'm sure you as a gambling type of guy, man, I'm going to take, you know, uh, I'm going to take Boston plus the points tonight. They're in Atlanta. Everybody thinks Atlanta's got a home court advantage. Well, they actually do right now. They have the longest running uh, home winning streak in the NBA right now. It's like 13 or 14 games, longer than Philly, longer than Utah. Uh, they have the longest home uh, winning streak in the NBA right now. And in terms of what's going to happen when they go down there, um, look, man, Joel and B can't keep this up. He had 39 in game one. He had 40 in game two. He's just not going to be able to sustain this. And I think he's going to be a rock star. But, my God, 79 points in two games. Um, I just don't believe that's sustainable. So, Ben Simmons, who was dreadful in game two, is going to have to rise. And I think if – look, I, I think Atlanta's going to win game three. And, Scott, i got a prediction for you. Um, at some point, I believe Nate McMillan is going to go back to the hack of Ben Simmons because he couldn't in game two – uh, Shake Milton, believe it or not, and you saw it, uh, turned that game 
from a Atlanta lead late in the third to like a 19-point Philly advantage early in the fourth. It was like, you snapped a finger, shake Milton happened, and the game got away from Atlanta. So I think it's going to be a tight game. I think Nate McMillan is going to go to the hack of Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons is going to miss free throws. I think it's going to throw their whole thing off, uh, throw their whole thing off, and I think Atlanta's going to win. Wow, that's strong. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, 30 seconds real quick. What do you think of Gobert getting another one, uh, the defensive player of the year? Um, I, I agreed with it. He would have been my choice as well. Uh, ben Simmons is the most versatile defender in the NBA. There's no question about that. But this is not the most def- this is not the most versatile defender of the year award. This is the best defender of the year award. And you know, Scott, when you have the best record in the NBA, you get the fruits of that labor. You got the sixth man of the year. You had the third guy and the coach of the year running. You've got the DPOY. Uh, and so to the victors go the spoils, and that's a part of this as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and that that block shot on Morris last night to end the game, I think, said it all. That guy was the difference at the end. It was a great game. I think it's going to be a really good series. We love talking hoops with Ricky Buckets, Rick Camel of NBA Radio. Rick, I love you, bro. We'll talk again through the playoffs. Yeah, you the man. Love you, too. All right, Rick Hamler with us tonight on the bench. We got it all going on. Carver Eyes getting drunk. His Islanders are in the conference final. Bench would cover. I have to tell you, there's nothing I hate worse than uh, bad games, and uh, I thought tonight's games were were terrible. Uh, the Islanders killed the Bruins. That wasn't a game. That was total domination. I'm sure it was great for Carver High and the Islander fans. I mean, who wouldn't be happy? I'd be happy uh, if I were you. So I'm not bemoaning the fact that you deserve to be happy. I'm saying the game sucked because it was it was total domination. And then this game now is total domination. This game's over. The Suns and Nuggets, it's a 20-point game right now. It's over. This game's over. And there's seven minutes left in the third, and the game's over. There's no way the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul are blowing a 20-point lead. With, with D-Buck and with Chris Paul, Aiton and Crowder and Bridges, they're not blowing no 20-point lead. I don't care who they're playing. You're telling me, uh, Carver, I know you won't make that bet. Are you going to bet on the Nuggets right now? What's the in-game number? I mean, you could look it up. I, I can't get it, but you get in-game. They're probably getting 15 points right now. Are you going to take it? Because they're getting their ass beat. They are getting 17 and a half right now at FanDuel on the line. I mean, they're getting their ass beat so bad at 17 and a half. Like, honestly, I don't even have faith in, in that. I really don't. I'm not sure. I, do you have faith in 17 and a half? No, I don't. The Suns are absolutely the, – the Suns are embarrassing them right now. Embarrassing. Well, I got to tell you, I, I didn't see that coming for a mile away. I, I thought, you know, the Suns look good in game one, but the Nuggets led the game late, right? They led the game by seven in the fourth, and they got blown out. Uh, tonight, I thought they'd win the game. And I hit the Islanders both ways. Money line, puck line. I thought Denver would show up tonight. They are absolutely finished. And I'll tell you what. Uh, you go down two to this team, you're in big trouble, mister. I don't care if they play in Denver. I don't play, care if they play in heaven. I don't care where they play it. You're, you're in absolute nightmare trouble against CP3 and d